0: Well, this morning I attended what was my first ever Easter sunrise service. That's for people who can get up before six in the morning. Uh, and it was wonderful to gather with so many brothers and sisters from different local churches to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus early in the morning as the sun came up uh, over Belfast. We were in Belfast Zoo looking down towards the lock. Early in the morning, the time of day when the accounts of the resurrection begin. In fact, the story begins before sunrise, while it was still dark, while the disciples still believed Jesus to be dead and buried. But as the sun rises, they begin to see the light. And what they will eventually realize is that at sunrise on that first Easter day, what began was not just a new day, not just a new week, but a whole new creation. Just like when God made the world, he began the work of creation on a Sunday, finished his work on the Friday, and rested on the Saturday. So Jesus cried, it is finished on a Friday, rested on a Saturday, and rose to life on Sunday, the first day of a new week, the first day of God's new creation. Easter Sunday is not just about being glad Jesus isn't dead anymore. When we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, we celebrate the beginning of the world to come where there will be no death at all, no sin, no Satan, no evil, no sadness, no crying, no pain. That's not something we hope God might do one day. It's something he already began 2,000 years ago when Jesus rose to life. Not back into this life, life before death, but into the life that lies beyond death, where death has no power, where life is abundant and overflowing. The story begins with Mary Magdalene walking to the tomb where Joseph and Nicodemus buried Jesus. Other women were with her, but John's focus is on Mary. Chapter 20, verse one. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb. The tomb was one that had been cut into the rock. Jesus' body had been wrapped in linen, covered in spices and laid on a stone ledge inside the tomb. Then a stone was rolled across the entrance to close it up and later the authorities had the stone sealed and soldiers were placed to guard the tomb. But when Mary reached the tomb, she saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. Jesus' body was gone. But who had taken it? Maybe the owner of the tomb? Maybe the soldiers or the authorities? Maybe grave robbers? Can you imagine if you went down to Carnmoney Cemetery to visit a loved one's grave? and found it had been opened up and left empty. Well, Mary went running to tell Peter and John, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. Well, Peter and John, they run to see what's happened. And as they run to the tomb, what's going through their minds? Anger, maybe, or confusion. Or perhaps they've been quietly holding on to the words Jesus told only to his twelve disciples, on the third day he would rise again. Well, John outruns Peter to the tomb and he bends down to look through the low opening. He sees strips of linen lying there. Then Peter catches up and goes into the tomb and sees the strips of linen and also the separate head cloth folded up neatly by itself. Then John also went in and saw the cloth folded up by itself. And it says in verse eight, he believed. Just think, what are the alternative explanations for the missing body of Jesus? Take uh, grave robbers, not uncommon at that time. What they're looking for is valuables, not corpses. Grave robbers might well unwrap the body, but that would be to steal the linen, not fold it up neatly and steal a naked body. And if the owner of the tomb wanted to relocate the body, he'd have kept the linen on. So would the soldiers if they had taken it. And so as John sees the linen lying just where the body was, and the face cloth all neatly folded, he begins to believe that Jesus' words were true. Not just the ones about being crucified, but also the ones about being raised. But they still don't understand the significance of it. Verse nine tells us that although John believed, the disciples still hadn't understood from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. In other words, they hadn't yet worked out how the resurrection was part of God's salvation plan. Of course, they did understand eventually. That's what we'll think about shortly too. But first, back to Mary. After looking around the tomb, Peter and John headed off, but Mary came back to stay. She knows Jesus' body has gone, but this is the closest she can still get to her Lord, the last place she ever saw him. And as she stands there crying, she bends down to look into the tomb. Maybe something caught her eye and she sees two angels in white sitting there. And they ask her, why are you crying? And while she's telling them of how Jesus' body has been taken away, she turns and Through her tears, she sees someone else. He asks the same question, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Well, she thinks he's the gardener, so she asks if perhaps he moved the body. If he knows, she can go and get it and care for it. She needs to be near Jesus. After all he did for her, even though he's dead, she just can't let go. Then the gardener says, Mary, the penny drops. She recognises the voice, Jesus' voice. Verse 16, she turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, teacher, and now she clings to him. She holds on so tight, but she needn't worry. Jesus isn't going to leave. Not just yet. So he says, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Instead, go to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Jesus will soon ascend to his throne, but there is still time to make sure his disciples see him. They must see him because they are to be his chosen eyewitnesses of his resurrection. And so Mary goes to them with the news, I've seen the Lord. We've already heard that John believed, maybe Peter too, but no one had actually yet seen Jesus alive except Mary. You know, back then, a woman's eyewitness testimony wasn't valid evidence in court because women weren't considered reliable. But Jesus breaks the mould. He chose Mary to be the first witness to his resurrection and first to see him alive, the first to tell Peter, John and the other disciples the great good news. And from that point on, the appearances keep Coming and all the disciples see Jesus, and we'll get onto those in our sermon next week. What I want to do now is think about why all of this actually matters. What would you say if your nephew or granddaughter or godson asked you that? Why did Jesus have to rise from the dead? Well, let's start by thinking about that empty tomb. An empty tomb means Jesus didn't just die and go to heaven. So often we talk like our hope is to die and go to heaven, to leave our bodies in the ground and spend the rest of eternity as souls in spiritual space. But the empty tomb shows that Jesus isn't just a soul. His body was reclaimed from death. When he died on the cross, he won eternal life for our bodies as well as our souls. Right now, Jesus has a human body. And at the final resurrection, our bodies will also be reclaimed and renewed. We're not saved so that we can abandon God's wonderful creation, this physical world. We're saved to inhabit it. Jesus' renewed body is the first event in the renewal of the whole earth. We were made to live on the earth, and at the resurrection, we will be resurrected in renewed bodies to live on a renewed planet. Like I said at the start, resurrection life, that life in the new creation is life beyond death. Let me uh, tell you about my first appearance on TV. I was at primary school and the regional news program featured a story about my village. And they showed footage of me and my classmates carrying brooms and sweeping leaves off of a path called Fleece Lane. Sweeping that path is a village tradition started by a man called Matthew Wall. Matthew Wall, who came back from the dead. Here's his story. It was the day of his funeral. The grave had been dug, the funeral procession had begun, and the coffin was being carried downhill, down Fleece Lane, in the direction of the church. It was autumn, the air was damp, and the leaves on the path were wet. And as they walked, one of the pallbearers slipped and dropped the coffin, and it hit the ground with a thud. And As the pallbearers stood up and dusted themselves off, they heard a knocking. A knocking coming from inside the coffin. A knocking that became so insistent that they took off the lid and Matthew Wall climbed out. What the doctor determined was death, everyone has since decided, must in fact have been a very, very deep coma. When they dropped the coffin, they woke him up and he went on to live many more years. But of course, one day he really did die. And for some strange reason, in his will, he directed that each year the children of the village should sweep the leaves off Fleece Lane in his memory, which sort of makes it sound rather like he wished he had actually been buried first time round after all. But what happened to Matthew Wall was amazing. And yet it was just a resuscitation. Matthew Wall came back from the edge of death back into this life. What we're here celebrating this morning is not resuscitation, but resurrection. Jesus did not come back from the dead. He went through death and came out the other side. When he walked out of his tomb alive, it wasn't as part of this mortal world, this first creation, but as a part of the world to come, as the king of God's new creation. And so it matters that he has a body. It's fairly common to believe that Jesus was only human while he was on earth, that he is eternally God, put on a a kind of suit of flesh so that he could die on the cross and then went back to heaven and took his flesh off and became just God again. Wrong. When God the Son took on human nature and was born, he took on our nature forever. He is now God and human, always. You see, the good news of Easter isn't that we die and shed our bodies, so that we can live spiritually with the spiritual being of Jesus. The Gospel is that in Jesus God made himself human, destroyed death by his own death and resurrection, and invites his brothers and sisters to live with him as humans, body and soul, in a new world. When you die and go to heaven, that's temporary. The new world will be forever. But all of that is why John writes in verse 9, they still did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. If the reason Jesus died was to pay for our sins so that we could just go to heaven when we die, then his bodily resurrection was pointless but Jesus had to rise from the dead. His body had to walk out of that tomb because salvation is about being rescued, not just from spiritual death, but also from physical death. Jesus paid for our sins on the cross so that we could be made alive in soul and body. But did you notice that at first, Mary didn't recognize him? It wasn't just because she was looking at him through tears. There are a number of times when Jesus, after his resurrection, appears to people and they don't recognise him at first. And that's because there's something different about resurrection bodies. Paul calls them spiritual bodies, flesh and bone, but flesh and bone fully alive with the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's good news. It means we won't get our bodies back the way they were when we died. We'll be made new, just like God will make all things new. Mary went to the tomb while it was still dark on the first day of the week. By the time the sun was fully risen, it was not just a new week that had dawned, but a whole new world. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your great plan of salvation to rescue us from death, to raise us to life with Jesus and to make us rulers with him over a whole new world, free of death, free of evil, free of everything bad and wrong. Thank you that you are able to do it and you've already begun to do it through the resurrection our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.